AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome all to Mission Accomplishers. Mission Accomplishers, hosted by Hunter Hawes and Eric Nelson, Saturdays, 7 p.m., AM 950, in the Minneapolis Twin Cities and podcasted around the world. Many mumbling mice make mighty music in moonlight muddy mice. But the president, one of his biggest hobbies is uh, Twitter. Social media. The man loves to tweet to get his words out in 140 characters. And he gets frustrated, though. As big a fan of Twitter as the president is, he thinks it's unfair. So, to combat the problem, he had a presidential summit, White House summit this week on social media. And this, the focus kind of the summit was that of conservatives being banned from social media platforms. So he invited a bunch of personalities, of influencers, and ironically, none of them had been banned from any of the platforms that you used. I, couldn't, I can't believe they couldn't get Diamond and Silk. I don't think <laughs> yeah. they're banned anymore, but I know for a while, or at least what they were claiming was that Facebook was hiding their videos from other people. Mm-hmm. They were not getting the publicity that they deserved or something along those lines. And they went to Congress to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's Just right. the assumed manipulation. Because <laughs> I have a feeling... Then we should be much more popular. <laughs> and Diamond they, and Silk, I got to hand it to them. They got a good act. Yeah, they, they... It's not very funny, but they're on point. They certainly are. They got the, the personality, but they're really... Um, uh, you put a camera on any two black ladies and they're going to be fun. So the Diamond and Silk, the only thing that differentiates them is the fact that they are Trump-loving conservatives. So the shtick works. But uh, the sun yeah, it, it has to be like the right kind of black two ladies, because I know plenty of black women who would not be nearly as entertaining. I just have met several of that personality. That is a oh yeah, they're, they're it's, a spunky, it's an archetype. They're a spunky group. If anyone could do it, they would be. Uh, but the summit um, really. The most notable people weren't invited because the White House staff knew the trouble of bringing them. And there was a complete headache for people involved uh, in just White House planning, White House organization, his his staff members, because they didn't want the most prominent personalities because they knew how big a disaster that would be to invite them. Now, and when you say it'll be a disaster, disaster do you mean in terms of... of- being cause. associated okay. with these people, the trouble that but will occur. Because, because they would cause drama interpersonally Not between there. themselves or because they have a controversial message? Controversial message that their reputation and being associated and bringing them to the White House is – there are people This isn't like a phase bank situation. In the uh, uh, White House that have the mind of how – People perceive things and how the media is going to handle. So they try oh, and yeah. reel Trump in from making bad decisions. Most of the people outside of Trump's inner circle yes. are those, you know, lifetime politicians who have existed in the Washington D.C. Beltway mm-hmm. forever. So, so they look at this and go, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, but the, the the I mean, this thing about conservatives being 
banned from platform. I hear this cry a lot. In the, it, um, it's the persecution complex. Mm-hmm, They're no. always under like siege. And it's <laughs> what do they think that companies have this liberal bias? Like companies like this, they they all have they do have a bias, but it's a corporate bias. It's a, yes. Who's going to alienate advertisers by <laughs> saying some blatantly racist, homophobic, and that's whatever the message. only reason that these people get banned is being associated with that. And that's it's always they, they cry about it and the free speech, but it's like the root of all this is yeah, you are saying homophobic things, you are saying racist things. And they don't – the company doesn't want to be associated with that. It's not as though they're opposed to a flat tax. That's mm-hmm. not why you're being out – like yeah, absolutely. being banned from these platforms. It's not because you have you know conservative views on whatever, the federal land for grazing issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not coming from – your because uh, you're alienating a part of their consumer base. <laughs> your grandpa calculating his taxes concerns. It's coming from the conservative wing that loves to hate on groups of people, which then the companies deal with a backlash for promoting hosting that sort of thing. And half the time, I think these companies play into it because they like hearing that there's all this controversy surrounding their business. It, well, it's free brings publicity. Pe- it brings people in. And they end up looking good mm-hmm. at the end of it anyways. For taking a stand. Yeah. Even if just the most the minor. It's like, oh, we didn't let uh, Heinrich like, Himmler 88 it, yeah, join this group. I mean, we talked a few weeks ago about the Steven Crowder situation, and the ruling on that was a temporary demonetization, which was a couple days long if even a couple days and the ultimate decision was that they were going to demonetize any video that had the socialism is for figs shirt which is supposed to be obviously it's supposed to be know. figs but it has an asterisk over the eye mm-hmm. right so, so everyone's going to assume it's a different word with the feminine look so clearly what he was trying to say there it's clear i mean you look at the shirt it's blatant and it's that's yeah. the thing they said take the link out of those video descriptions that's an incredibly and that's the persecution odd, yeah like ruling because they knew YouTube. that that shirt was so bad visually that they wanted just no association with that so yeah that's incredibly lenient especially for youtube which yeah. i've heard is like Pretty strict and rigid on the three strikes rule. Yeah, about copyright. Oh, is it just about copyright? They have two different ones. Okay. But yes, they are strict and you can't get those back. So you have to be really careful. But it sounds like they were making special rules specifically for Steven Crowder. They, so the fact that he's complaining about this. I know. And everyone's in an uproar and it's like, really, nothing bad happened to you. For this, they're all waiting for something to get outraged about. But here's the the consequence of that specifically because of that the uproar that they had over that issue. Now, David Pakman just talked about this week. He came out with a a video and he documented all the the numbers. He showed graphs of how this is occurring. But uh, independent political media sources 
and channels are now being uh, wiped Demonetized. off. No, wiped off the YouTube algorithm for recommended videos in favor of corporate media, of CNN, Fox News, oh, yeah. MSNBC. So it's just safer advertising for the big exactly. businesses. So what? now any sort of independent political media, anything that we air on our station, uh, the, uh, someone like Sam Cedar or uh, the um, any of them, Tom Harmon, Dave Pakman, uh, even the conservatives, uh, Stephen Crowder, um, who are some of Ben Shapiro, all those, they're not going to link them in suggested videos anymore because they want the safe CNN, MSNBC option, which is bad for everyone. Are they going to cut out all links or they're just going to like change the algorithm not, for so it? They're, how it used to work is they wanted to keep you watching as long as possible, and they would recommend videos that they think so that like you would like. the most relevant. Yes. And now they'll give some sort of leniency towards... It's not even... Right now, and I hope this changes, but right now, if you're using YouTube, you're going to virtually get uh, exclusively... Uh, the legacy corporate media links in suggested videos for anything wow. political. And I that tested sucks. this today. Because you don't uh, want to watch that. I, I uploaded a video about Ross Perot that I talked about this week on the AM 950 YouTube. And I searched Ross Perot and I put uh, sort by time. Like uh, So have the newest uploads first, and I did this eight hours after it was uploaded. Our video didn't even show up, and I found that there was CNN links, there was uh, bigger channels, but we were barred from even the search engine, which that didn't used to happen. I used to be able to find our videos, and that was a, an assortment from time. Mm, so I just looked up Sam Cedar. And he's got a couple related videos. Well, if you search for it directly, but uh, if you're stumbling upon anything. Oh, you're saying in the YouTube search engine. uh, No, the search. So what I just mean is uh, you're you're watching a video on any topic, uh, just something vaguely political. Usually you're going to get that. John Podesta. Yes. uh, Then recommended videos of these commentators talking about it and uh, to your taste and also I mean historically this algorithm of suggested videos has been incredibly right wing with how it works so the fact that they complain about this to begin with doesn't matter but you would get kind of the independent voices that uh, are prominent on YouTube and now you're going to get like Almost exclusively corporate media takes – they might fit in a couple of uh, videos like that, but a lot less than ever before. And another interesting thing with since uh, – And the way it works is a lot of these companies are already pretty tight on advertisers. So advertisers would like to steer away from controversial topics like politics anyways. Mm-hmm. If you're advertising, you don't have to advertise – over an issue that's going to be polarizing. Yeah, oh, I know. They, so the fact that they would want to then even make it more narrow? But the, the way that uh, YouTube and Facebook and really all these big social media companies cater to large 
Oh yeah, that's companies exactly what I mean. already is frustrating because, for instance, Facebook recently has invested more yeah. into their videos and to their just uh, to having a video platform on Facebook. You know who uh, seems to be able to circumvent this for whatever reason, huh. and probably because it's not publicized as a political show. Joe Rogan. Okay, I'll talk Every about that. I was about to talk like about Joe that. Rogan clip. Let me just finish what I was saying. Uh, so, Facebook, uh, they, they've uh, invested more time into their video trying to build it as a platform. And th- Facebook has the ability to make monetization available to really anyone that posts videos. There, there's no reason you couldn't. But the bar that they're setting is that you have to have 100,000 likes to a Facebook page. To qualify, and then there's a bunch of other requirements too. To only let the already huge players receive money, whereas if you're putting up content and getting people to watch and use these platforms, why can't they give back a little to anyone? I mean, Facebook is super skittish about politics right now. Yeah, but I'm just saying anyone that creates content, we have the ability that people could get paid for it if they're going to be watching ads anyways because they're going to put ads no matter what you're watching. But you're not going to receive any money. We have the ability to – Facebook specifically right now is doing everything they can to avoid another Cambridge Analytica issue, Mm -hmm. another like Russia interference thing because even shows from our station – that sometimes boosts their live shows on mm-hmm. Facebook, they literally can't do it. Like Facebook doesn't allow it as an option if any of the suggested words in the title of the show yeah. is vaguely political. Mm-hmm. Um, it just frustrates me that they're, they aren't giving people the option to pursue creating content as any sort of living because they make the bar so high and they're all just turning, uh, raising the bar higher and higher to to give the monetization option out for anyone, um, which is uh, – it r- gives the, the advantage again to the people who are already uh, established and it makes them gatekeepers again. Got to go to uh, Twitch. It's the lowest bar for monetization. Yeah, I, but they, it's just a trend that all these companies just start going towards. Well, yeah, the, I mean, it makes smart business sense. Yeah, and if you're just, just looking at it from like a, you know, what will make us more money mm-hmm. aspect, and the, most of these companies are not ideologically mm-hmm. invested in small creators. I know. They, you, you have the ability to transform the world, but you're just bringing it back to the status quo. But Joe Rogan, you brought up, and uh, with YouTube, uh, again, David Pakman, this is very interesting, though. So he recently was on Joe Rogan's program, and there was there was a couple instances of uh, people who had never viewed Joe Rogan. They were subscribers of David Pakman, like followed him for a long time, and they watched the video – with Joe Rogan, and ever since they did that, every single suggested video they get is for Joe Rogan, and he, they're still only subscribed to David Patrick. Two thirds of my videos are Joe Rogan videos. It's insane, and I, it I must do have watch to do a handful episodes with of that. It's He's one of the Jamie, more dude. powerful YouTube creators. That's his favorite that word too. Brings in 
like viewers, keeps people on YouTube so they like him and will favor anything he does. Young Jamie's and, just a whiz. I mean, I don't have any problems with uh, with Joe Rogan necessarily, like any big things to bring up, uh, but it's just extremely frustrating the favoritism that they play and that you could have a, a leveling out with these platforms. You could open up the world to anyone, but it's always going to be just eventually the hierarchies with the same winners. Mm. I don't know. I just want to get on the topic of the Jamie, the producer for the Joe Rogan show. Yeah. He's incredible. <laughs> Have you, I don't understand He's a producing it. role model. Basically, I mean, I could never be him. If you, I screw up when there's like one camera with one angle. He's switching this camera angle constantly. I don't know if it's algorithm based, but if you set it up, that's still cool. <laughs> I mean, but come on, there's got to be. A, it looks like there's a live team. It looks like there's like we, five, ten people. I wonder how hard it would be to get Jamie on the show, and especially with the angle that we're producers wanting to have. Uh, oh, yeah. Him as a guy. I, I bet we could. Yeah, I do too. I mean, uh, he's uh, definitely like a left wing kind of guy when yeah. he weighs in on topics. And, uh, yeah, I think if he checked us out, he would like the angles. And um, I mean, not this angle. What? The camera angle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't use that in the YouTube. By the way, check out our YouTube. Go to Mission Accomplishers Radio on YouTube. And we got great videos. Every video's got an animated intro as well as promos for this show. Help us out. Listen to what we're dealing with now. So I'm slaving over these YouTube videos. I've given up any sort of life that I had, which wasn't much, granted. And now I'm just making videos. Just videos. videos, videos, videos blah, blah, blah. So lend us a hand. Give us some support. Go to Help Mission Hunter, Accomplishers. Because I don't care about them. <laughs> Mission, worry about the YouTube videos. Mission Accomplishers Radio on YouTube. But yeah, uh, Jamie, I think would come on. And surprisingly, I mean, we, anyone I've asked to come on has said yes. And we haven't scheduled any of them. So we have a bunch of big name people coming up. And some big we, names in the local scene, too. Yeah, we got. Uh, That's who I'm most excited to talk about or uh, talk to. Big just, names. Uh, just, you know. I don't know if we want to say them on here because they're not a certainty yet. Yeah. But people that you hear calling into the station quite a bit oh, regularly. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We got some uh, callers that we're going to have uh, Just a longer with. form with. Yeah. That will be exciting. So you AM 950 heads, we're going. Because two of them that I'm thinking of just rattle off like yeah. prepared uh, rants. Yeah. So It'll be fun to – bounce stuff back and forth with them yeah something we've never done so voices you're familiar with having a long-form conversation so that will be interesting that's coming up as well as the big names that you love but uh look forward to that on mission camp i mean so far we've only had paul Metza, Metza. and that was just because he was was, here yeah. (laughs) yeah um i and that's mainly because i've been kind of just experimenting with the show or not even experimenting but observing and then trying to decide how to go so kind of just letting things happen and then now we're getting to a place where i think i get what the show is enough to uh have guests and make the most of it 
Because when it first started, we really just hit record and had no sort of idea. And it's not like we have a big idea now, but I get it. So I yeah. think uh, – I, I prefer the show more with a very fluid, open-ended – like it can yeah. be anything. Usually it's this. It, it, it usually is it that It has way. a baseline, but, but it can deviate into different places. Yeah. I, I, but me, myself, I get it. Rather than being kind of confused, I don't feel lost when doing it. Where it's like you're not dropping me off in Tokyo and have me navigate. I feel at home. So I feel like we could make the most of guests now. This is really cool coming up. At my church, I know, me, go to church. I didn't expect that, but I do. Racial tension is popping up all over the place really now. I mean, you can't escape it. And it doesn't have to be that way. It would be useful if we could reduce the awkwardness and the tension. So... At my church, Shepherd of the Hill, in Chaska, Tuesday, July 30th at 7 p.m., there will be a one-hour talk with Jamala Anderson, who's a nationwide diversity trainer and teacher. Her presentation is Empathy and Equity, Providing Valuable Tools for People Who Want to De-Escalate the Tension in Any Conversation, such as Chaska's had a lot of trouble with racism in the schools, they made some students take down a sign just because it said Black Lives Matter. There's been some black face at football games. And I've noticed all of this. I am kind of tuned into this because I had split custody growing up. So I lived in Lakeville and North Minneapolis. So I just have this lens of seeing this Lakeville very white segregation and then my friends in Minneapolis who were African-American, things were just a lot different. And racism today is, for the most part, hidden. I noticed when my mom started dating black males that my family disowned her because of that. It's difficult because I had a lot of African-American father figures growing up. And I saw how they were treated differently and how people are unable able to address their own racism because they don't want to be perceived as racist. Being a racist is a bad thing. However, they don't know their own bias even. And you see it in with how people perceive Somalians and how they talk about them. There's a lot of prejudice going on. So this is a talk that's a part of the Tuesday Dialogue series at my church, Shepherd of the Hill in Chaska, which is a progressive congregation taught by Pastor Dean J. Sia, who teaches from Dr. King. Really interesting. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King is the foundation of the church's teachings. It's easy to find. It's off Highway 41 in Chaska and Angler Boulevard. At 145 Angler Boulevard, there's a giant red rocking chair out front. It's uh, sponsored by Residents Organized Against Racism, ROAR, and... AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. So I'll be there. To find out more, go to chaskachurch.org or their Facebook and search Shepherd of the Hill Church. It's in Chaska. And Tuesday, July 30th, 7 p.m. Join me. I am very excited. This could be a useful event. But some more racism going on. Hiller Love and Gay Bar Cheers in Minneapolis. Although... 
not Hitler-loving. Eric pointed out that he was critical of Hitler for not hating the Jews enough and not yeah, killing enough. Probably not a fan of Hitler. Well, oh, this guy is half-measure stuff. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, the anti-Semitic gay bar owner of Cheers. My favorite part, though, is about uh, just the things he said. Actually, this is a criticism of Israel. It's not anti-Semitic. <laughs> and it's like, then what were you talking about Hitler killing all the Jews for? <laughs> yeah, nice try. But uh, obviously... I've seen people use that strategy before. Uh, quick recap, cheers in Uptown. Uh, it's going to open as a gay bar uh, in the neighborhood. And the Old owner... Rudolph's location. Old location. Yes, on uh, Franklin and Hennepin. And the... The owner of the bar came to light, had made several uh, anti-Semitic comments about Israelis, Jewish people, and uh, people did not like that. So they drew attention to it, and the owner doubled down and kept uh, – he created a ban list, an 86 list of people of much Every, more than 86 everyone people. Everyone who was criticizing him on Facebook. <laughs> Got banned is, before the place even opened. Where does the term 86 – Come oh, from. I used to know that, and I Dan, don't. Can we have you from a couple years ago on the show? <laughs> Hunter, call in, or 2015 Hunter, give a call, 952-946-6205. You're leaving a message to past Hunter in the future? Yeah, uh, Huh? Interesting. The bar, a lot of protests about it. People were not happy. Um, but there's more news on the situation. The building owner of... The old Rudolph's location slapped Cheers with an eviction notice, and then uh, or the to, and to be clear, why? Yes, right? yes, the, not even because of the things he was saying, although that probably had point. a part in it. It was that he was late with twenty two thousand dollars of rent. Yes, he was short on rent and of over $20,000, and so they gave him an eviction notice. It was disconnected to the controversy. It's but, not a good sign if your tenant is late on the very first payment. Yeah, and all over the news while yeah. being late. And uh, <laughs> clarifying all the people he will not be serving <laughs> yes. to. Sounds like a great business model. So the Cheers owner, instead of like – Laying low instead of getting his finances straight, goes to downplay all these things he said in the past. Goes all in and sues the building owner, and there's now a lawsuit between the the building owner and the Cheers management, and um, they oh, they're not even done with that. They're, they're even uh, suing the individual in charge. So both the company. And the person who what is this guy's name? the eviction notice, the Cheers owner. The messy bitch who loves drama. I'm at a beat. And I'm out of beat. 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 He is – he's got several lawsuits because of the eviction notice. Uh, <laughs> clearly, the move of a yeah, psycho. <laughs> like – not laying low after all those news reports, drawing more attention to this bar and still planning to go through with everything. You know, he's using my favorite strategy mm -hmm. in an argument, which is when you're so convinced that you're right, that you're willing to have the argument and fight 
in public. The more <laughs> the more uh, eyes you have on it, the better. Because of course, everyone's going to see you're right. <laughs> yes. So you'll have that, support from them, and they'll all see that this other person is being irrational. It's exactly what Donald Trump does too, and it's um, <laughs> it's just. And it's like, oh, yeah. Spectacle. This whole thing is a spectacle. Girlfriend, you're embarrassed because everyone's going to see that you're wrong. (laughs) Yes. So, um, yeah. um, uh, Who knows what's going to happen with this? I think. Oh, damn. This guy is cool because I just looked up his Twitter Uh and he's got a uh, like a turtleneck, a zip up turtleneck over his nose like a ninja. Ooh. Wow. At least uh, I'm assuming that's who this is. So I'm reading this from the, the city pages, and they tried to get in touch with Abid, and uh, he's told the city pages never to contact him again. Probably with the th- threat of <laughs> a lawsuit as well. So uh, he – my God, what is what is going on? I we got to go to this I'm place. I'm more impressed that he got enough money to even tell this lie to himself that he could open this bar. Yeah. And it's crazy that it's a gay bar, too. I know. Hey, he's not gay. Oh, he's not? No. But although he sees it as good business. It is good business mm-hmm. because I've noticed, too, there's no gay bars in Uptown, really. No, it's perfect Uptown, really. <laughs> Just not joke. being executed, right? Yeah. The joke. Why are there no gay bars in Uptown? Why? Because it's redundant. Oh, hell yeah. That's a good one. Um, Yes. uh, Yeah, actually, uh, the gay bar business is a thriving business because businessmen didn't want to get involved with that. So it was a market left on tap. Kind of like how the the Jewish stereotype of owning the media – uh, came about was because the media was so looked down upon, like movies in the early days in the uh, vaudeville. And time. Uh, also, it, it was scruff and like something very uh, was taboo pornography. Yes, and uh, that's why there's always those when, conspiracies that they're trying to manipulate <laughs> the you know first world with their Jewish pornography. Yeah, well, that was what like uh, what was profitable at in films. At the time, in the seedy neighborhoods, and we're talking early, like uh, 1900, 1910, 1920s, um, the first exploration of this. Uh, so no one wanted to be associated with that. So the, uh, the Jews who had already like degraded in society were the people who picked it up and then uh, grew with it. Uh, that's how that largely came to be. But similar gay bars uh, were not something people wanted to invest in. And uh, the gay 90s actually is owned by just a straight guy who's owned it forever and just became a multimillionaire from it. You know that the gay 90s comes from the gay 1890s. Yeah. The name. I found that out recently, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I knew that because my So it wasn't even originally a gay bar. My grandma had a candy floss machine and it was – gay 90s style and she wanted to just put that everywhere and we're like i i I don't think people will get it in terms of because to her that's what it meant that's how it it just rolled off the tongue she my grandma who's really into my grandma also says catch a tiger by the toe the wrong way i was gonna say yeah like 
Decorative and has no dec- idea. And she, my grandma's the least racist person. But of decorative you get pieces her, your grandma can put up, that's not the worst. She doesn't understand things. Um, she tries to listen to the show, but she doesn't have hearing. <laughs> she literally can't hear a thing. So, hi, Grandma, I know you're not you know, hearing this, but you're listening. Thinking about, and we might want to edit this out because I don't know if this is, this is problematic, but there's probably a lot of minstrel show performers who were not racist at all, love black people, probably mm-hmm. a lot less racist than a lot of you know modern performers. But because of the context that you watch it in now, yeah, it's considered super racist. No, that's and absolute. it is racist, but their mentality the at the time probably wasn't. No, absolutely. Because like Al Jolson, do you think he's actually like a racist guy? No, that probably is true that uh, I've never really heard that take, but it, they're going to be the people that are closest to African Americans at that time. Because uh, African Americans also watched Mr. But they also shows. wore blackface in it. So you, Did they? Yes. Oh, uh, wow. the, the black people wore blackface as well. So there was no difference uh, with performers, whether you were white or black, doing that. So likely you were going to have more interactions than your average person with black people. So they probably were some of the least racist people, actually. There's kind of a funny story of uh, Abraham Lincoln bringing a minstrel show because Abraham Lincoln apparently loved minstrel shows, uh-huh. to South Africa, and they just didn't get it. <laughs> this stuff's great. You guys don't love this? Uh, but uh, the the Cheers situation, um, the other thing that bothers me, so City Pages writes it, the comment section in City Pages, the first comment, that's not in the uptown neighborhood. And then there's several other comments that follow that go, can you please stop calling this location Uptown is very offensive to those of us who purposely don't live in the little town. This is an intersection of Whittier, the Wedge, and Loring Hill neighborhoods. Get a damn map. Agreed. You're giving your home wrong impression to the readers who don't know this area. This is the people who do. It's the city pages that seem slightly out of touch. Shut up. I do agree with one of them that it is the intersection of the Wedge, Whittier, and Loring neighborhoods. Sure, it However, is. However, it is also uptown it's as people un- know it. It's unimportant. And, in the same but, way that it's also Minneapolis. It can be yes. inside of a thing, inside of a thing, inside of a thing. That's, that's it. And uh, obviously that that whole general area is referred to commonly as uptown. That is how people communicate it. When your average person who's not one of these people says uptown to another person, they understand. Yeah. If you say, meet me at the bulldog in uptown, Mm -hmm. are you just at a loss? Mm -hmm. Did you drive in circles around the three blocks that you consider uptown looking for this new restaurant? It it drives – this is one of the biggest pet peeves of mine is people who – disrupt conversations to stick in a, a bone of contention over grammar or uh, the phrasing when it's insignificant and not actually a problem. Especially when it's not an impressive thing to catch either. It's well, Because, well, most of the time it's they're pointing out like you're your or one of the theirs. Yes. And it's like, wow, good job at remembering your fifth grade grammar and lesson. It's what really drives me nuts about it is having a conversation with people 
and having someone point out like a, a grammatical error or something, it derides the conversation and you negate it. And then you also make the person who made the mistake feel less than. See, but I think most people probably take the perception that, oh, that person is a douche. Yeah. I mean, does anyone see that and go, oh, wow, that person made a no, normal no. grammar mistake? But in their head, that's why it's done. Whether it's conscious or not, it's coming from oh, an they area they of superior. superiority. Yes. And so you're making a correction rather than listening to what the person is saying and then uh, reacting to it mm-hmm. and continuing on the conversation. You're changing it over something that doesn't matter. Yes, it is okay to do something like that when you don't understand because of a grammatical error or just phrasing or whatever, then you're continuing on the conversation. But when you're doing it to point out that someone is wrong, then you're it's done from a place They have of nothing better to contribute. But it's uh, like admission of loss because they're admitting they have nothing to contribute to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for being contrarian, all for arguing and starting mm-hmm. stupid fights over petty details. Mm-hmm. But at least have it relevant to the topic that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not because someone's using their phone and it autocorrected to the wrong conjugation of a verb. Mm-hmm. It, it just drives me nuts. And I, I know people that do it constantly. And it's Oof. like, why? Why? Oh, yeah, you mentioned too. Yeah. Um, but it, it, the thing is that uh, to me, some people are like, they're not articulate. They don't have good grammar, but they have good ideas. They're interesting. So when I listen, I want to hear what they're saying. When you throw in something like that, you then make that person insecure and then they can't be expressive or just contribute in any way. So I just hate the intentions behind it. And I don't think most people realize it when they do it. Mm. That's a negative thing. I think most of the time it is. It's I'm going to feel superior over this person. Yeah. Maybe maybe they don't have that exact line of reasoning run mm -hmm. through their head. But there is a subconscious element. That's that's kind of what I mean. I'm going to dominate this person. Yeah. I don't think there's any awareness to it or just really how it makes people feel too where it's to me i get upset only because i notice that and i have all these thoughts in my head uh it's not anymore getting offended at the person saying it is more that it's happening uh but i just sometimes i actually make those small errors just to lure it out of people when i'm having an <laughs> argument because oh this is the kind of person who's going to correct that and then they'll look wow, like a complete asshole by calling out some minor that's issue. Some forty chess. Oh yeah, I can't mention the orifice. <laughs> the whole part. Wait, uh, the, the whole part or the whole part? Oh, on. <laughs> that's what I understood it as. The social media meetup. Just all the hottest memers. Trump's favorite memers. Uh, okay. And when I was looking it up, it's a lot of B team. Yeah, a lot of people, I was. didn't really recognize any of them except for who's the cartoonist? Oh yeah, uh, Ben Garrison. Yeah, Ben Garrison. I noticed Ben Garrison. 
who Didn't is... they take back his invitation, too? Did they? Yeah, because uh, well, Ben Garrison draws political cartoons, and then uh, he's the favorite target of like the hard alt-right, and they alter his images to be extremely anti-Semitic. But I believe that he also has... That's the mark of a good artist. Some, yeah. Easy to parody. uh, Some good, or like, some legitimate anti-Semitic things as well, or like, uh, like, vaguely leaning towards that direction. I don't like these kind of Jews. So, yeah, and uh, so I believe that they disinvited Ben Garrison. Wow, Uh, Trump is not the one making this guest list. (laughs) Yeah. He could have had a fire party. Uh, it's true. It's like if you've brought all the cartoonish figures, uh-huh. of, you know, the meme alt right. Well, that have you heard the rumblings that Pence might not be the vice president in 2020? Really? And who they're going to not? That this is legitimate. Any pick, I think, is going to be a bad choice because Pence ties. Tell you hear okay. this, Tucker Carlson? Huh. Tucker Carlson could be the vice president. I don't believe that. That sounds so, too, that sounds you know, too I think uh looking at it politically, good move on their part. That is a good strategy. I think Tucker because, Carlson is able to listen to this though. The, he's the guy that is going to get them so excited about this that they're going to go all out absolutely. Yeah. It's the best move the best chance you have to win because the enthusiasm is going to be there. If the Democrats nominate someone who doesn't have as much enthusiasm or like could fracture places, they're going to be completely just solidarity behind that ticket and just out there doing everything they can. Because by removing Pence, you're obviously removing like the religious rights mm-hmm. or they can say, well, Trump's not a good guy. But he does good stuff, and he's got Pence there, and Pence is our guy. Yeah. But by putting Tucker Carlson in there, you have someone who can just tell you that, no, this is actually okay. And you know what Tucker Carlson does that is very smart, tactically, is he's reframed all these conversations. Yeah, I think that he's one of the few people who sees the shifting landscape. So he rephrases everything Basically the way Bernie Sanders would talk about it, but with right-wing ideas. So he makes it about uh, how the common person is getting screwed over and how uh, they're being unfair, how – like corporations are bad. How the, pop, uh, the people in power are screwing over the – like working people, the poor people. He gives them an answer and it's like uh, – He's figured it out. And the thing is that it's – I'm not going to call him a Nazi because I don't think that he's that extreme. Yeah. But he is suggesting all the same policy ideas as national socialism. Yeah. Because yeah. I've heard him argue he for a lot of positions that are socialist. I see. I really, but it's from the yeah. nationalist perspective. Uh, absolutely. And he uses he embraces the term, he uses a term. Nationalist. He doesn't say national socialist. Yeah. He uses, calls it uh, economic nationalism. And he's – Critical of capitalism, which is very unheard of on the right, really, nowadays, especially with like uh, Democrats being open to the term. He's doing something different. He's exactly what you're saying. He's creating a new thing, a new movement, and it's all in the image of Trump. He understands that. Trump is their guy. The uh, Republican voter these days, they 
are behind Trump. He's the, 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 the movement is around him, and whatever his ideas are, it's going to be built in that image. And he gets it, and he's phrasing it, and he's really going to be the influencer of the, the new conservative. He was really the only one who's able to synthesize a message from Trump's crazy yeah, rantings yes. and anger at inspecific things than any other no other pundit has yeah. been even close to Tucker Carlson's like take on what it is that makes Trump popular and because they see racism oh people must like racism yeah. uh, they like it tangentially if you can say uh, these races are the reason why these companies are not giving you good jobs anymore yeah uh, absolutely so Think of the power of that, too, of being able to put, oh yeah, tr- like you said, Trump's ramblings and on the campaign trail, having someone who can make it make sense. That's that- my worst nightmare is a populist mm-hmm. uh, right-wing figure who's not a bumbling moron. Yeah. Who's someone who's charismatic and can actually explain things and um, – Give some sort of catharsis to people's like, well-earned anger, uh-huh. and just it's scary. It, it coming from the wrong source because, and this is coming from Trump himself who wants to do it. Um, so, because it, it, it came out that there was talks, and that the, potentially the Republican Party was saying that he should get a different running mate. Oh and yeah, well, it, Pence it, is so boring, dude. Yeah, well, he doesn't really bring that much. Uh, so it's just like horrifying things but he, he does in the background. Yeah. Um, he manages to not like do public things like flubs in that. He's got he bad. Talk. Yeah, but that, that's what I mean. So I it, couldn't tell you what his voice sounds like. But that's good to not have to have Trump be dealing with something like having to defend someone because he doesn't really defend well. I'm just curious, and I, I mean, I don't know how verified this is, but can Tucker Carlson play backseat? Can he play? He just does sidelines. For Trump is the one guy that he does it for. He won't, like, get an ego about it. Yeah, He's going to play one. Because if anyone, like, if Trump feels anyone, like, competing against him, yeah. he's going to cut him out. Same thing happened with Bannon. And I saw that from the beginning. Like, these two stupid but oafs cannot coexist. I think Tucker Carlson realizes that Trump is his horse to ride on. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I think they, Trump, Tucker Carlson is smart enough to uh-huh. read the situation correctly. And then, I mean, if he can do it and they can win, he'll be the uh, nominee the next year. So it'd be Tucker Carlson as president, potentially, and really the leader of all this. And he, he, he just gets it. He's going to... Steve Bannon actually kind of had the same yeah, read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but Steve Bannon is just too grotesque a human being mm-hmm. to be a you good can't figurehead. The, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, the threat of that, uh, people need to realize what that means and, to, like, I plan accordingly. If that happens, uh, the Trump 2020 campaign is much more dangerous than we think. That's why I'm frustrated when people use just very broad messages mm-hmm. and they immediately jump to identity politics mm-hmm. or th- issues yeah. like that because all of those tools that are so handy and nice and easy to use for you mm-hmm. to dismiss people can just be turned right back against you yeah, and trump is the master of that yeah. remember fake news was talking about how trump lies for yeah, like a yeah. day and a half 
and he immediately just weaponized it against the left. Mm-hmm. I know it's become his, and that that was where it came from. Was so, he was able to successfully turn that around, and he can do that on a lot of things. And his supporters are brain dead zombies for the most part, at yeah. least the ones who you see going to his rallies. And they love nothing more than a little slogan they can just repeat over and over. And it, what's with Tucker Carlson? It's amazing how he picked up on the climate uh, and was he took that Bill O'Reilly time slot and then made it bigger. Like that was the uh, most successful news program at and, the time. Well, did he surpass Glenn Beck? Because I remember there was a moment when Glenn Beck. Oh, was yeah. just the biggest thing on earth. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, Glenn Beck was kind of the Howard Stern of right-wing media, the king of all media. He was doing a lot of things really well for them. And, I mean, his big, kind of big downfall was uh, being the never-Trump guy. And being that, like, he was all in on Cruz, he didn't get the conservative climate as well as he thought. That's he, an interesting we can, thing we can talk about. Yeah. So much of the right-wing media played against mm-hmm. Trump because no one thought he was going to win. Because he absolutely, I've said this a million times, would diagnose problems, working class people. And he did it really well that connected and resonated with them that deep inside. Uh, the, 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 most of the people only heard one candidate talking about jobs. And, and was angry and told people that mm-hmm, the previous leaders, yeah. the Republicans too, were yes. awful. So, yes, uh, and that's what people want. They, they they don't want someone to be uh, defending the party. They want someone just renegade on everything. That's why both Trump and Bernie Sanders are so popular to a large group of people. Yeah, because if you're talking to someone who has one car but is broken down yeah. and they have to walk to work four miles every day, tell them – that it's they're living an awful life and tell them who's at fault. So, yeah, I I think we should spend some more time on Tucker Carlson in the future. I want to actually read his book because I heard it's more of a manifesto, actually. It just came out a few months ago, and now I'm really interested to read it. And uh, um, I got to know the, the language that's going on around there. So I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we're in it enough on just the left in general like we don't get enough where they're coming from yeah i do think that there's some practical like i and, watch fox news partially because i find it funny and partially <laughs> because i i do am curious what the other side is saying yeah and another thing um this is again something i want to dive into deeper although but, i have I, one thing uh i have a hard time believing trump's first pick if he can pick anyone at Fox News, is not the Deuce man. <laughs> he loves Steve Deucey. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, w- th- before we go to the thing, I want to I want to dive into is the immigration and the left and how we're framing all this. Um, like the debates, how they came up. Really, so much of the debates was talking about giving illegal immigrants health care and things like that. And it's like, yes, I agree with those things. But on messaging, the rest of the country hears that and doesn't like it. So there is some truth to people like 
labor union people and them losing jobs legitimately to immigrants who come and are able to do things at a cheaper rate because their country uh, this will be pays. this will be a good episode when we talk about this because I completely disagree with you at this point I'm not saying a point I'm just my I think that is an invalid argument and I can explain why this is why we, we can't do it right here because I don't have a point I'm defending I'm saying we have to consider how this comes across and just the people's concerns of losing their jobs is valid and I've heard people sure. uh, who work uh, my friend from Alabama he came here uh, he can't get a job in construction anymore because he doesn't speak Spanish that's valid that's a valid human struggle so Trump is effective when he talks about Mexicans that way because someone like that there's a real world situation that is playing out similar yeah, it, to that situation it's not coming from any place of hatred of Mexicans in that person it's just he understands I can't speak Spanish and now I don't have any worth in life so that's the point I want to talk about because it is a threat the way that they use it, weaponize it, and I don't agree with that. But if we ignore it, it's going to hurt us in the long run. And it's run. important that we find out how the right is talking about immigration because there are very real counters where they ignore the solutions to those problems. Yes. Yeah, so that that was why uh, when you say disagree with me, I, I don't have a stance on it. It's more I want to get into it so uh understood i i I don't think i could even put a point to it yet because it hasn't been explored enough on our side yeah i mean i think i the discussion hasn't been had enough i understand what their argument is because i've watched a handful of uh tucker carlson episodes he repeats the same thing over and over and over yeah yeah and and, uh, it's a very simplistic view but it is recognizing something that is very real and phrasing it in a way that there's an either-or choice, either this or either that. Exactly, exactly, and that's not not what I want to do, but I feel like we don't even have the conversation ever on how people are affected and what to do. Like, uh, how do you help? How do you be the actual party of labor in America? And that's what the, the left always needs to do. So, on that... We're out of time. As always, prosecute the Bush administration for war crimes. We're coming for you bastards. Prosecute ICE, too.